0: Hola socios, hola equipo, my
1: name is Neil, I'm Liam, this is John Narnberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA, Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland, Edinburgh, Barcelona, and I'm a socio, I'm a socio, I'm a socio of the big interview. My name is Neil, I'm originally from Scotland but now living in Barcelona. Why did I become a socio? Well, you could reference uh, Mr Hunter's knowledge and access to some great football characters, but I'm going to go for his exceptional use of swear words. He really seems to strike the right chord They're not overused (laughs) As a Scotsman, it's something I uh, really value (laughs) My favourite interview of the season I'm going to go for Kevin Colban He came across as a really open, honest, funny and
0: down-to-earth guy In general, he seemed like the sort of person You could happily sit down, have a pint with him And just listen to his stories From Backpage, I'm Neil White, and this is our first big inside view of the new season. In these shows, there usually won't be an interview, but instead we'll get the latest news and analysis from Graham Hunter in Barcelona, from where he joins us now. Listeners, I hope you were with us throughout the World Cup when we did a show like this pretty much every single day, since when Graham has been lying down in a dark room. Graham, have you recovered? Has Spain recovered from Russia?
1: You know, I'm made of industrial rubber and... uh I was recovered in about ten minutes in that dark room. But right now, since Luis Enrique was appointed as the new boss to succeed both Lopetegui and Yero, it's the love that dare not speak its name. Except yesterday I was in at the TV station where I work and I was bitching and moaning to everybody about how Spain completely chickened out in that game against Russia and how frustrating it was to watch talent undercooked and lacking in daring and cojones. That side, Spain is silent on Spain
0: we're going to be recording a special Q&A preview of the season in La Liga so shows will get your questions for that presently but today we want to zero in on game 1 of the new season the Spanish Supercopa which sounds and is way cooler than the community shield but serves the same function so after their domestic double Barcelona replay the Copa del Rey final against Sevilla more or less there's been a lot of change in La Liga and we're going to talk a lot more about that in the next couple of shows today We'll look at these two teams in particular, but let's start with the changes they've made to this fixture. One leg, and in Tangiers, Morocco, Graham Hunter, what fresh hell is this?
1: Yeah, I love your fresh hell metaphor because Rubiales is a guy who wants to announce his arrival and I really like some of the things he's done with the Super Cup. The Spanish Super Cup being over two legs, home and away, has never made sense to me, I think, that... It has very rarely, when one of the big two has been involved, uh, Madrid and Barcelona, apart from when Sevilla and their pomp and their Juan de Ramos went to the Bernabeu on a second leg and absolutely thrashed uh, Roma Madrid 5-3. It's very rarely two legs led to the junior of the two teams in the Super Cup winning the title. The calendar is tighter and tighter, and therefore moving it to one game is smart. Rubiales, 10 points, tick in the box. Moving it to Tangiers in the northwest of Morocco has been uh, less popular, and still less popular has been the date. Neil. Now, people listening to the Big Inside View maybe aren't you know up in arms, drawing placards and marching in the local streets because of the date of the Spanish Super Cup. But Sevilla were pissed off. Let me tell you, they were so pissed off. The main reason for that is that they are currently in qualification matches for the Europa League. They're playing Zalgiris uh, Vilnius tonight as we're recording this on Thursday. But Sevilla were were dead set against this date, were furious when Rubiales said, I've taken all things into account and I'm going with Barca's request for this date. He argued that there were a number of other dates when, for example, if it was played earlier in August, Sevilla were still in the middle of European qualifiers then, but he wants there to have be, Rubiales wants there to be the greatest chance of this being visually attractive, again, for the world in terms of marketing, because um, so many of the players, if it was played any earlier, uh, would just not be back in training full stop from the World Cup, as it is Sunday night, we'll talk about that in a minute, holds questions about which of the guys, uh, particularly for Barca, but Nzonzi is only just back, I think, um, 48 hours ago, at the club, never mind in training, and... At Sevilla they were waiting with bated breath to see whether he would go to England in the transfer market unless something happens by tonight at which point you'll know, if you're listening to this later than Thursday, you'll already know that Inzonzi's moved, it looks like he's going to stay, but Sevilla, because they're playing competitive football, more of their guys didn't go to the World Cup, are in reasonable shape. Barca well, your PK, Messi Rakitic, uh, Busquets Mm. Dembele, players like that um, have had one week's training, as you and I speak right now Neil, and that's not a huge amount and Rubiales's point is that that this date is giving them at least a chance to play. So Tangier's money, Spain are doing it for prestige, for money um, and therefore there's all your reasons or Rubiales's reasons for the fact that this is the first unique uh, one-off Spanish Super Cup game.
0: Okay and you mentioned uh, an unusual start to the calendar for Sevilla who aren't very often in the situation of the sort of doggish early rounds of Europa League qualifying as they find themselves now, which is part of the reason that they got through three head coaches or they used three head coaches last season. Now they have a new guy, Pablo Machin, 42 years old. He got Girona to La Liga and then finished 10th last season. What has he had to contend with so far in his new job in Andalusia?
1: Yeah, well, whoa, that's a good question. Um, he's had to cope with a little bit of turnaround in terms of the signings, which he doesn't control, in that um, although Sevilla are still a well-planned club, they're still suffering a hangover from the lack of Monchi, their genius, who was with them for at least 18 years, making brilliant signings, making brilliant decisions about when to move players out and making brilliant coaching decisions. And therefore... When we look at the players that Machin is losing and is gaining, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they work with him and he works with them simply because he's had not had control on which specific players, the types. He can say to the, the board, this is the type I want. But you said what has he had to go through? One of the things he's got to go through is that, unlike the UK, Spain's transfer market stays open until August 31st. Sarabia, who under Machin has been moved off his beat... He's not an out-and-out winger but he was asked to play wide quite a lot and recently he's been asked to play in behind Ben Yedder or in behind Luis Muriel, closer to the goal, that expression that was fundamental to the relationship between Guardiola and Messi. And Sarabia has answered with goals and looks a fabulous player and looks somebody that Luis Enrique will probably come tapping on the shoulder as he looks to renew the Spain side um, when you said what has he had to cope with, are you thinking about the, the, the transfer market or what? What's the driver, of your idea there?
0: Well, you mentioned that the head coach at that club doesn't have final say or much of any kind of say on transfers. And just looking at their summer in the market, it's really interesting because at the top of their sales and purchases, we see three sort of similar positions and almost like a break-even balance sheet. And I just wondered where you wanted to stop off. I mean, Inzonzi is part of this because I think you probably at the start, at the end of the World Cup, would have bet on him not starting the season at Sevilla. And as you say, it now looks likely that he will. And then at centre-back, they sell Clermont Langley to Barcelona and look to replace him possibly in the long term, at least, with Yuri Nyangong, who's a young centre-half from A. They have lost uh, Korea to Lazio. Um, and Alex Vidal returns from Barcelona in a similar role and they've lost their holding man in midfield, Guido Pizarro, one of them, who's gone to Mexican football and they've signed Ibrahim Amadou, a player I don't know anything about, but who seems to fill a similar role from Lille in France. So where is the most interesting part of that mix for you?
1: Well, let me try and flip across them. One, Joaquin Correa, I can't understand. Yeah. Um, I'm really upset that he's not going to be there to delight us this season. The Argentinian winger, um, I think, is going to be exceptional. I couldn't believe that he wasn't taking the World Cup. Um, I think his talent is is burning bright. They've got okay money for him, but it seems to me ludicrous that you know where they look for width from Navas, who's of grandparent age, and Nolito, who didn't get much of a game last season, who I adore watching. But isn't gonna, you know, the width he gives you is is tricky, uh, dribbling width, not pace, not what they like to call here depth. Um, so stretching the pitch long, and Alex Vidal is is back. You're right. He can play right back, right wing back, right wing. He can go inverted on the other side of the pitch. All of that is is true. Um, but is he is he is he fully reliable? Is he somebody with the the age profile that Correa's got now. So I'm really disappointed about that. I have to say, I think they've signed well in Sergio Gomez from Celta Vigo. Machin is um, tied to a brand of football, which is attacking, which is winning the ball and using it, passing it um, fluently, not looking to counter-attack. Uh, counter will be part of their armoury, but not looking to counter-attack as a proposition, as a basic pillar of his idea. Um, he has liked wing backs. He's liked three-five-two. Whether he automatically imposes that on Sevilla or proves to be a coach who says, "I'm going to look at the resources I've got at my new club and adapt my system to that," we're still looking to find out. I think at the moment he believes that he can play three at the back and wing backs. And right now, I believe he's got the players to do that. But he's adaptable. Is my impression about Machin. What we need to say about Jorana last season is that they were an absolute joy to watch. They played um, efficient, intelligent, often very pretty football, made a right good show against Barcelona with a deadly offside trap, lost that offside trap for the majority of the other games, <laughs> beat Real Madrid at home, and drew with Atleti in the first game of the season, and finished the highest that any promoted side in the history of La Liga has ever managed. That's an achievement. He also listened, Neil, just... For everybody who's not accustomed to us talking about uh, Matching, it was so interesting that, you know, it, the club is part-owned by um, Pera Guardiola, Pep's brother, and there's investment from Manchester City too, and therefore they had Cantoranos, youth team guys, um, like Alex Garcia, like Douglas um, Luiz, there was Maffeo, there were a number of guys came from Manchester City, and the ones who played, Neil, only the ones who merited it. Now, that's, that's cojones, that's good common sense. We see too little of that in football and that pleased me a lot. Sevilla and Machin, in theory, if they give him um, time to bed down because Girona was his first really big move um, and therefore Sevilla is you know, galactically big by comparison. The expectations, the budget, the intensity of the crowd uh, because the Girona crowd adored him, obviously. When he came, uh, Girona were in the muck. He talked about philosophy that he wanted his team to have the spirit of a Cholo Simeone team, that he wanted them to be, when they had to be, really hard to play against, difficult, ugly, but whenever they got the opportunity, every time they got the opportunity to, to play, to attack and to entertain. Now that, that's, a, that's quite a hybrid of styles, and therefore the Girona crowd, having seen him get them promoted and then do things that were utterly historic, adored him. Sevilla's so not like that. If you're in in Sevilla, you're in. You know they'll carry you home. They'll, you know, they'll clean between your toes, and they'll carry your golf clubs around the course. They'll do anything for you. A blip, and they're heathens. They're shouting. They're roaring. They're abusing. It's all or nothing at Sevilla, and matching isn't guaranteed the same amount of time. So let's talk about who you picked on there. It's interesting that they've cleaned out both goalkeepers. And Girona lost one 0 each time. So matching lost to Sevilla each time his players didn't score against Sergio Rico Who's being pushed out as we speak to Fulham It looks like it's going to happen David Soria has been booted out to Getafe A keeper that I've only seen glimpses of in these two games against Is the um, 29-year-old Thomas Vatsic Who's the Czech Republic national goalkeeper normally On form at least Who's come from FC Basel He's, he's bigger He is more imposing than either Soria, who played in that 0 0 draw at uh, Bayern Minute last season, latterly in, in the Champions League. Um, and Sergio Rico, who until relatively recently was, you know, until he was upstaged by Kepa, who's now joining Chelsea for 80 million. So, um, Sergio Rico was third choice goalkeeper for Spain. Yet he's had, really, truly, frankly, in the last two seasons, a bum time. Making mistakes, looking nervous, being criticised, and not fighting back. So, Machin. Probably, I think, with the orders of his new bosses at Sevilla has cleaned out these two goalkeepers and replaced them with a cheque. There are other things to look at in the great scheme of things and I think that there will be more purchases, I really do. But the guys who've been resuscitated under him are um, Carrizo who spent the majority of last season injured. Nolito, who couldn't get a game for love nor money under any of the three coaches who were in charge at Sevilla, has been playing. Jesus Navas finished the season a bit cojo, they say here, a bit, a bit uh, lame um, because of accumulation of injuries. The summer off, Neil, has just come to him like... Rain on a warm day in the desert, Um, he's looking vital, he's looking 28 now, has been playing superbly, Sarabia I mentioned, there are positives.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break now, when we come back, how are Barcelona shaping up for the new season?
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: And we're back. Graham. we've looked at Sevilla ahead of Sunday Supercopa, but what about double-winning Barcelona? We've discussed the transfers of players like Langley and Alex Vidal between Barcelona and Sevilla, but Barcelona got another Vidal too.
1: King okay, Arturo, you're talking about... Um Alice Vidal going out um, did actually bring them a little bit of money. Arturo Vidal, Bayern, demanded that um, the Chileans' price wasn't revealed to the world, and therefore Barcelona um, have said, you know, we're not telling you, and blah, blah, blah. The rumour is, and I think it's well founded, that he's getting 9 million a season. That's crazy money for a 31 year old. The rumour is that it's approximately 20 million euros purchase price with add ons that can take it up as high as 30. He's a guy who, just like when Polino joined um, a year ago, from the diehards who still firmly believe that the club should be based upon Cruyff, Bighierstein, Guardiola, Reichard principles, there's been something close to outrage. This guy, um, they think of him as disruptive, they know that he, he likes a party, um, he likes betting on his racehorses. It's infamous that while at Juventus on the treatment table... He would have a couple of televisions on at the same time and Italy's equivalent of the racing post in his hand. So while he's being treated, he's watching the GGs, watching those he's bet on, those he's got a share in, and reading the horse papers at the same time. That's not a crime. There used to be time in football for sparkling characters like that, pearly kings of football. I'd rather have a mix of football brightness, football diligence and a little bit of the madness seed in in the players that I watch not all of them, but some of them more than the homogenous nature of modern football is, is allowing us and King Arturo Vidal is certainly one of those in the European classical, we all know what that is Real Madrid against Bayern Munich he's tucked into Real Madrid, he's hated losing to them he has been sent off against them so immediately he joined those who weren't mocking Barcelona and saying, what an idiot deal this is for an injury-prone 31-year-old He's a bit of a rage off the pitch. The others were all saying, well, he's anti-Madridista, so he'll do. There's got to be a sensible point of view, and let's try and bring it here. When Barcelona got you know, made to look like ghosts in Rome last season, just as they had in Paris the season before, and Juventus also, um, in Turin, there was patently a lack of bite. A lack of nastiness, a lack of somebody who can drag the team through and say, eh, "Not today, not like this." Vidal has those characteristics. Is that enough to buy him? I don't know. This is a summer whereby it's not quite as busy as that massive clear out that happened in Pep Guardiola's first summer. That if you look back, that while some of the key signings of the Guardiola had been made, Yaya yeah, yeah, Toure, Thierry Henry. Maire um, Good Johnson the year before there was an extraordinary level of clear out and hand-picked talent being brought in in that first Pep season of 2008 whether this is successful or not it, it does feel slightly similar they want to clear out Andrew Gomez, Marlon, Yerimina now being brought in Clement Longley is a football player Clement Longley is somebody who's comfortable on the ball and showed that Sevilla that there's more to come You'd say that he will get his games. Um, PK and Umtite need supplanting. Each of them will pick up suspensions. Longley will have a little bit more bedding in time. Although he may debut, um, given that Umtite hasn't had a lot of training, um, he might debut against his old side. And the fact that it's in Tangiers rather than in first leg away in Sevilla probably mitigates that a little bit more. And the other Arthur, um, the Brazilian version, uh, young, small, and in the mode of the Guardiola Barcelona, whether he turns out to be um, exceptional, we'll wait and see. But the preseason tour of America, where there were very few senior players, Arthur was the guy who was doing a... If I, I don't want to call it a pay limitation but playing like Xavi would. Give me the ball. Here, I'll give you it back. Now I've moved. Give it to me again. I'm creating shapes. I'm creating passing triangles. I'm creating space. And he's a guy who, what stands out, Neil, and everybody listening will, um, either if they understand Barcelona or um, if they've watched the pre-season tour, they'll they'll bite on this. As soon as the ball's at his feet, he knows what he wants to do with it and it's usually forward. But in terms of his football intelligence and his touch and, and why he's trying to move the ball in the positions he does, he looks at least very interesting indeed. Munir is back. What a super player he is. How brilliant he was for Alavez last season. Does he get kept? That depends on whether Paco Alcácer, another one, gets moved out potentially to Watford. Change everywhere. And I want to fix on one guy briefly, Neil Rafinha. Rafinha, who the last time I saw him at Football Club Barcelona, at the, the pre season filming of the green screen, how do I say it? was pissed off when the line of players queuing up to do the green screen, Messi jumped the line and went, look, I'm Messi, I'm I'm using my time by going in now and getting out of here, and Rafinha was furious. And I think that wasn't aimed solely at Messi, but aimed at his understanding that neither his personality, nor his professionalism, nor his talent was being properly recognised at Football Club Barcelona. He went to Inter Milan where he had a good season. He is Barcelona class. He is from the cantera. They don't need to sign in in Rafinha's position, which can be wide left, wide right, or playing in the midfield. It's absolutely clear to me that if they now churn Rafinha out, it's a gross insult to his um, attitude, his professionalism and his talent, and it will be myopic.
0: Okay, look, you mentioned the Quintero and the progression of Rafinha from there, although it's taken him a long road to get back into the first team if that's what happens, but Kules crave that progression. And there has been some action from the sort of lower reaches of the cantera. Who's moving up to the big school this summer, and why?
1: Just, just about everybody, if you mean this summer, because you know the, the, the PKs and TTS and Rakitic and Messies of this world didn't go on the tour. But the guys who made the cut are interesting because there's a there's a fellow called Cucurella. Now Cucurella, in the mad way that football has, because he kind of resembles Puyol and plays in the defence, albeit he's left footed to Puyi's right. Cucurella is too big for the Segunda, or Segunda B, um, where Barca B have been playing over his time, and looked like the guy who might be given the, the left-back berth. And, and then suddenly, Miranda, who was also on the tour, also can play left-back, absolutely outshone Cucurella. He was beneath him in the picking order, and so good was Miranda's summer that he is now looking likely to be the absolute standout candidate to be second-choice left-back because Dini has gone to um, Everton. So there's a promotion that looks like it might last the season. The other one is the one that everybody's getting frothing at the mouth about. I'm guessing that the majority of people haven't heard of Ricky Pooch. Uh, Ricky Pooch, again, has come through the system, is a slender, not, not, not too diminutive, but very slender, very slight, creative midfielder, who... According to local lore, was told by Pep Segura, who's the technical director at the club, although Eric Abidal now has far more football control as director of football. The lore is that this Ricky Pooch, who's patently an exceptionally talented footballer, was told, you haven't got a football, uh, future at Football Club Barcelona because uh, you're too slight, you're too small. You know, of all the clubs in the world where you know the legend has grown around um, guys like, Villa and Xavi and Alba and Iniesta and Messi and the guys that should in theory particularly when they were juniors have been too small and and not eligible the Cruyff ideal was talent first, talent first, talent first so without me having heard from Pep Guardiola's own mouth um, those words to Ricky Pooj, again it's, it's a murmur that I trust and, and believe because of who told me it and that would mean that it, it, the, the fanatical culés are outraged at him, absolutely outraged, because Ricky Pudge, in terms of what he does on the ball, his ability to go past people, he looks like an energetic and more impactful Dennis Suarez. And Denis Suarez is staying, he's saying, I'm determined, I'm going to fight to to win my place. But Ricky Pudge is, is the coming star of the midfield. Again, might get a first-team berth. Um, Will get limited games, but should be showing up in the cup. And the excitement is based upon the fact that this Barca B has been struggling heavily, sacked a coach, Gerard uh, last season, and have, have stopped being a very productive source of talent. And if this is a season where Rafinha stays, Munir stays, Ricky Pudge and Miranda uh. break through, suddenly the profile is different. There's more value in this season, not in terms of they'll definitely succeed or they'll definitely all be brilliant but people vest more in a season in this part of the world when it's proven that the kids are all right it's a storyline
0: that works at that club for sure finally graham my favorite kind of transfer story one of skullduggery and the dark arts can you give me everything you know about the devious nature by which malcolm arrives at the camp now
1: yeah if you're talking about devious it needs to start with coutinho's misses. The reason is that she is Coutinho's route to a passport, right? There is a limit on how many non-EC players a Spanish club can have, and it's three. Well, um, at the moment, I think Barca have got about 16. <laughs> and then the addition of Arturo Vidal, who's Chilean, uh, to Coutinho, to Yerimina, to Malcolm, and I've missed one, Means that they desperately need Coutinho to become a European community citizen and to be effectively Spanish and have a Spanish passport. Those papers are they're being dealt with, are in administration here in Barcelona saying, he's going, to be an, he's going to be an EC citizen very, very soon, very soon. Now, I mention that because right now, because they've got so many um, non EC players, somebody's not going to play. Now, if you spend a lot of money on these non community players, And somebody's not going to play. The suspicion has to be that it's not been fully planned. In fact, it could have been completely made up on the spot. And that's what you're driving at. Because Malcolm, this um, lightning fast, but one-footed, left-footed, wide midfielder, uh, winger in a 4-3-3, was signed on on the face of it from uh, Bordeaux. But the, the thing that you like best, I know, is that the negotiations between Roma going back to Sevilla and Monchi, their genius who I mentioned before, who's now in charge of football direction at Roma, the negotiations lasted for at least six weeks between Bordeaux and Roma. The deal was agreed at 40 ish million. And um, this Brazilian, who's um, 21 um, and a extremely good at providing goal chances, assists and I'm told I, I don't want to purport myself as an expert. What I'm told about Malcolm is that he doesn't give position away easily That this this brand of player like Rubinho or um, Dembele who, who have this extraordinary ability to drift past people to dribble, to trick opponents but then you're like, but what did you do with the ball? What was the end product? Malcolm, it's said Um, has a really astute idea about if there's not a pass, don't do it, make the safe one. But if there's a chance to burst into space, if there's a one-on-one, take it. He shoots really powerfully and accurately off his left foot. And it looks like he's a guy with a lot of promise in front of him, which is why Roma not only had him signed, but announced him on their social media channel and had Roma supporters waiting for the flight, waiting for Malcolm to arrive. At which point, Barca, (coughs) in their voices having monitored the situation, having been long in contact with Bordeaux and Malcolm, jumped in, outpaid Roma a little bit, outpaid Malcolm um, in terms of the wages he was going to get at Roma and said to him, Leo Messi. And the whole thing was a vault fast because the deal hadn't been signed with Roma. um, Malcolm got off the, the flight. He was supposed to be going to the Italian capital, got on a flight to Barcelona, signed for Barcelona. And before the Roma fans, I think, had left the airport, In Rome, he was a Barca player. And because Roma, just like they did in the Champions League, pumped Barcelona in the International Champions Cup in America a couple of days ago, when they announced the team lineups, Malcolm was in it for Barca against Roma. They only put 10 names out there and just left a gap where Malcolm should have been. And I take that as being very, very funny indeed. Their their social media channel and their idea about marketing at Roma... He's extremely witty, extremely adventurous, and rather than being in the huff and saying he's persona non grata, it was a little bit of a dig at the situation, um, a little bit of self-mocking uh, too, and uh, extremely funny. But we go back to the point that right now, unless Coutinho's passport comes through before the weekend, one of those who's likely to lose out is either Malcolm, who's cost him 40-ish, or Arturo Vidal, who's going to go on to cost him 30-ish and 9 million a season because neither of them are EC players and there are too many and that's why they need to get rid of Marlon and Yerimina and Coutinho needs to get a passport. Okay, what kind of game are the good
0: people of Tangiers going to get on Sunday, do you think? I mean you 've mentioned that there are a lot of unknowns in who has just come back from their World Cup breaks who who might not even be on the rosters by the time the game kicks off. Where do you think it 's going to head, and what kind of game are these supercoppers generally
1: Yeah, um, and in the majority, Spanish sites don 't know the concept of atis a meaningless trophy. Um, in general, they will you know they 'll play hard um, that 's been the history of the Super Cup recently, even when there's been thrashings. Um, both teams participate. The fans treat it very differently than the fans have almost ever treated the charity Shield in the UK. Look, I, I, Machin is a competitive guy. He will go in it to win because if Machin's first domestic competitive act is to beat Barcelona in a one-off game in the Super Cup, then he buys himself 12 months. So expect Sevilla to be competitive and aggressive. Barcelona, even though there will be newish players, um in or around the 11. Again, this year, I don't understand a trophy game with Messi and Suarez and Piquet and um, Busquets and Alba and Ter Stegen involved, although Silicin might start. I don't understand the concept of them not treating it competitively. It's going to be the case that as the season develops, we might see a different approach to the Copa del Rey from Barcelona. When... um, Xavi came out recently and said, listen, it's all very well winning the Copa every year, but look what it does to you in Easter time in in Europe, in the Champions League. So we might start to look at not a Barca non competitor but a Barca using more kids and reserves in the Cup, I think is possible this season. This time, I slightly, slightly favour Sevilla because they've got more uh, miles under their belt. They have a decent 11 to turn out, and therefore I, I don't make them outstanding favourites, but I think they've got an edge. Um, it's an edge for them that it's a one-off game, definitely, rather than having to come up to the camp now. And therefore, I think we'll see a competitive game. I think we've got two coaches who like to attack. So it's going to be worth watching. It won't be walking football in stultifying temperatures where nobody's that bothered about the goal, and if anybody gets 1-0 up, they defend. Graham
0: Hunter, for the first time in a new season, thank you very much, and adios, crack. Adios. Muy bien. Impresionante. Everybody else, this is the start of a brand new season of The Big Interview. As well as these Inside View shows, you will, of course, get big interviews on this feed. But stay tuned after the music by Beer Jacket. And Graham will tell you how you can access extra big interviews and support the new season of our show by joining us on Patreon. As we record this yesterday, our socios on Patreon got their first exclusive big interview of the season with Quinton Fortune. Whether you can join our socials or not, thanks for listening and please stick around. We've got some great shows coming up this season.
1: I really hope you're enjoying these shows. We've got huge plans, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please.